I invite you to turn in your Bible or the Black Pew Bible to Psalm 1, which in the Black Pew Bible is found on page 448. Let us ask the Lord whose spirit has breathed out and preserved this word for us in Scripture to breathe upon us afresh that we might receive it and respond to it in true faith. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks that in your love and mercy you have come to us to be the way, the truth, and the life for us. We ask the blessing of your Holy Spirit that we would not only hear your word with our natural ears and natural minds, but by the grace of the Holy Spirit, receive it as the word of God into the depths of our souls for the renewal of the spirit of our minds, that we might truly walk in the paths of righteousness following Jesus our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. The Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, but yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Amen. And now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, glory, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Where would you turn in the Bible to learn more about a deep, personally experiential, intimate relationship with God? Where would you turn for help in expressing the jumble of your thoughts and emotions to God? Where would you turn to find words to help you say something to God when it, you don't even know what it is that you want to say? Where do you look when your spirit is dry or numb or your soul is in so much pain or your mind is so confused that you don't even feel like praying. Well, the good news is that God in His wisdom and in His goodness, He's so wise, He's so good, that God Himself has given us the perfect resource. God has given to us a spiritual, devotional library to help us, to guide us, to give us the words that we need in order to express all of our needs to Him. The book of Psalms is the prayer book of the Bible. 
It's also the book of praise and worship. The book of Psalms is the hymnal, the hymn book of the Bible. It is the basic hymnal of the church. And it is a journal, the Spirit-inspired journal of spiritual reflection and personal meditation. So it is that in his preface to the commentary, his commentary on the Psalms, John Calvin wrote that the book of Psalms is, quote, an anatomy of all the parts of the soul. For there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. An anatomy of all the parts of the soul. In other words, every thought and every emotion we can experience in life is expressed to God in the Psalms. And because the Psalms are themselves inspired breathed out by the Spirit of God, what that means is is that God is giving us His own words, teaching us how to speak to Him. It's an amazing thing, but that is the reason that the Psalms are such a great spiritual resource for us. Now, Psalm 1 is really an introduction to the entirety of the book of Psalms. Psalm 1 is number one, as a kind of doorway, if you will, through which we walk into this great library of prayers, of praise and thanksgiving and lament and complaint and confession and affirmation. So today we're walking through the doorway into this great spiritual library. And Psalm 1 sets forth some very important principles for us as we enter into this library, our resource for personal, intimate communion with God. Psalm 1 begins with the Hebrew word asherah, which is translated blessed. And sometimes that word is translated as happy, which is an okay translation as long as we understand that it is referring to real happiness, the real happiness of a deeply satisfied soul that goes beyond the immediate and external circumstances. The real happiness of a secure heart that believes that life is good because God is good. The real happiness that comes from knowing in your inmost being, down at the rock bottom level of your soul, that you know, that you know, that you know that God is with you and that God is for you. With all of the plenitude of His grace and His mercy and His goodness and His faithfulness and His love and His power. And so, at the very beginning now of the book of Psalms, which has to do with the enrichment of our spiritual, personal experience of God, Psalm 1 teaches us that the key to real happiness is living life in a deep, personal, intimate, experiential relationship with God through faith in His goodness and trust in His Word. Now, Psalm 1 is written for those of us who live 
in a fallen world, a world that is not the way it's supposed to be. And it's very realistic and very straightforward. And the word is clear from the beginning. And this is really a very gracious word. This is not a harsh word. It is a good thing. You know, if you are on the road and, and suddenly you, you see one of those uh, marquees that the Department of Transportation puts up and it's flashing, danger, do not enter. That's a good thing, isn't it? Somebody put that there because they cared something about you. That's a good thing. Well, likewise. Psalm 1 begins, God's word in the Psalter begins by telling us there are really only two ways through life. There are two paths and there are two destinies. Blessing or curse, happiness or misery, spiritual prosperity or destruction, eternal life or eternal death. And each one of us today is on one or the other of those two paths. The path of blessing, which leads to eternal blessing, or the path of destruction, which leads to eternal destruction. And this is not merely a matter of Old Testament teaching. This is exactly what Jesus himself taught. For example, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. And the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And so the psalm, Psalm 1, sets this out for us. And in order to make sure that we understand, it begins by telling us what the way of blessing is not. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. It warns us that a life of persistent, unrepentant sin, a life on a continual path of opposition to and rebellion to God's Word, disregard for God's Word, disobedience for God's Word, a life that is continually lived, driving through the do not enter sign, going the wrong way on the wrong side of the interstate, will never bring us happiness. And therefore it warns us to turn away from sinful influences, sinful company, sinful attitudes, sinful patterns of behavior. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And that word wicked refers to those who just couldn't care less about God, His law, or His glory. It's a person of poor moral character whose life exhibits this general pattern of disobedience to God, whether conscious or unconscious, intentional or unintentional, God simply doesn't figure in the wicked person's life. And so the Word of God, first of all, warns us not to walk in the counsel of the wicked. That is, not to go along and get along with the wicked, nor to pattern our lives according to theirs. Don't walk in their way. In other words, be careful who you spend your time with. Calvin wrote this counsel in his commentary, saying that by little and little, by little and little, men are ordinarily induced to turn aside from the right path. Having once begun to give ear to evil counsel, Satan leads them step 
by step, farther astray, till they rush headlong into open transgression. One way to say that is it doesn't really matter where you are on the road. It matters which direction you're traveling in and how easy it is to be led astray even little by little, step by step, by the counsel of the wicked. Now, of course, we can't leave this world altogether. We're called to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We have a calling to be in the world as Jesus' disciples and living as witnesses to the unbelieving world. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. So verse 1 is warning us about the kind of company we keep in the general pattern of our lives, a warning about about the kind of people we admire, about the kind of people we want to be like, about the kind of people we want to be accepted by, the in-group. 1 Corinthians 15.33 gives us the same kind of warning when it says, Do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. And we can take that and apply that in different ways. Not only the company we keep, but the kind of television shows we watch. I hope you don't watch very much television at all. About the books, about the magazines you read, music we listen to, not to mention the internet with all its vices. If you want to be happy with God's happiness, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Secondly, Psalm 1 says that the blessed man does not stand in the way of sinners. Now, whereas walking in the counsel, walking in the counsel of the wicked seems to imply going along to get along with the crowd, now standing does not stand in the way of sinners. That implies taking one's stand. Taking one's stand, being readily identified with those who have rejected God. And, and in, this wor- in this verse, the word sinners does not stand in the way of sinners. That word means more than the general description of everyone. You know, of course, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in that sense, of course, we all are sinners Utterly dependent upon God's grace and mercy. But in this verse, the word sinners indicates more than that. It refers to those people whose character is defined. Their character is defined by their consistent, persistent life of sinfulness without repentance. Those who willfully, flagrantly, unashamedly violate the moral law of God. To stand in the way of sinners is to take one's stand with them and to adopt their way of life in rebellion against God. Thirdly, the blessed man or woman does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Walking, standing, sitting. Now the scoffers are those who not only disobey God's law, but also joke about it. That's the point here. They jest about their sins. They mock God. Make fun of those who love and fear God. Scoffers are those whose hearts, you see, are hardened, whose consciences are seared, numb, senseless, whose minds are darkened because they hate the light 
of God's truth and righteousness. But furthermore, in, in the Bible, to sit is to be in a position of rule or authority, governing or teaching others or judging as in seats of judicial office. Those who sit in the seat of scoffers implies people who are in such positions of authority and influence, ruling over others, teaching others, exercising influence in other ways. The scoffers could be in political office, teaching positions, judges, influencing culture, our culture through entertainment and media, the powerful, the elite, the ones in high places. And precisely because they are in positions of power, authority, and influence, those who sit in the seat of scoffers are in danger of the greatest judgment. And we're warned not to fall under and follow the influence of those who scoff at God's Word just because they are the powerful, the elite, the cool crowd. Well, in contrast to the way of the wicked, sinners, and scoffers is the way of the blessed man. The blessed man or woman is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, that word delight is an important word because it teaches us that true obedience to God's word is obedience characterized by delight, joy, pleasure, gratitude, gladness. The truly happy person is the person who is happy to obey the word of God because God is good. And so the blessed person meditates upon God's law day and night. Now, here in verse 2, the word law refers not only to the Ten Commandments or to the first five books of the Bible. It refers to all of Scripture, the whole Bible. All of Scripture is the law or the rule of life and faith, the instruction of the believer's life. So the whole Bible teaches us how to live the blessed life. Psalm 1 teaches us to meditate on the Scripture day and night, every day and night, because our minds need to be continually renewed by the Word of God. Our hearts are in constant need of being nurtured and nourished by the Word of God. How do we learn to live a life pleasing to God, bearing fruit for His glory? Psalm 119 says... Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God in the Bible is not just information. It's food. Right? When's the last time you ate? Some of you was just a little more than 30 minutes ago. Right? And it won't be long till you eat again. And after that, it won't be long till you eat again. You know? Is there anybody here who said, oh, well, you know, I, I had something to eat a week ago? No. It's not information, it's food. <laughs> it's food for life. And that is the reason that the blessed man meditates on God's law, the Scripture, day and night. Now, these same principles are taught in the New Testament. In his letter to the Colossians, and if you're taking notes, and that's a hint, um, Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10. Don't turn there now, but if you make a note and go back 
you'll be able to see this a little more clearly. It's remarkable. Colossians 1, 9 and 10, a letter of Paul to the church in Colossae. Paul expressed his prayer, which is a prayer for us as well, that they, that we, may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk, there's that word, meaning pattern of life, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, I hope you could hear some of the echoes of Psalm 1 in that prayer of Paul in Colossians 1. Paul's prayer that we be filled with the knowledge of God's will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. Well, where does that come from? That comes from God's word in the scripture. That comes from meditating on God's law day and night. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. That is the description of the blessed life. Living every day in close fellowship with the Lord. Bearing fruit in every good work. That's like the blessed man of Psalm 1. Who, we shall see, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Again, through meditation on His Word day and night. So what we read about in Psalm 1 is the life that we are called to live as disciples of Jesus Christ. So this is a very important point. Psalm 1 is not about salvation by works or a matter of being saved or blessed because of our goodness or our righteousness, Psalm 1 does not give us any reason for self-righteousness, spiritual pride, or any kind of holier-than-thou attitude toward others. Not at all. Psalm 1 teaches us simply that God is good, God is faithful, God's Word is trustworthy, and God blesses those who humbly seek to live according to His Word, which includes the confession of our sins and looking to Him for mercy and trusting in His Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. So there's no boasting about ourselves in that. All glory goes to God. But God wants us to know that He is the God of blessing. He wants us to know that He rewards those who seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 He wants us to know that He will honor those who honor Him. 1 Samuel 2.30 he wants us to know that He will bless those who seek to live for His glory in accordance with His Word. So the blessed man is described as a tree planted by streams of water. A tree that is planted, intentionally planted and cared for. That implies that there is a gardener. This is not just a wild, volunteer tree that's untended. This is a tree that has been planted, that is cultivated, that is pruned. It is planted by streams of water. It was put there intentionally so that it would always have enough refreshment and nourishment. 
This is the blessed person who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on God's Word day and night because he knows that he has been planted by God because God is good and God is gracious. And the godly man or woman is planted by streams, streams of mercy, streams of grace, streams of living water. And so that blessed man or woman is like the tree which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now you may want to raise your hand at this point and ask, well, is that always the case? That's a good question. And as a matter of fact, as we continue on through the Psalms, we will hear the godly psalmists cry out. We will hear them cry out, why do the righteous suffer? Why do the evil prosper? Now those are questions which other psalms, other passages of Scripture address. So those are questions for other sermons. But here's the point this morning. As we walk into the library of the Psalter, Psalm 1 wants us, first of all, to get our basic orientation down about our relationship with God. A basic approach to life. A basic view of the faith-filled life based upon the basic convictions that God is good and that His Word is trustworthy and that He will bless those who humbly walk in His way. And the basic truth, as Galatians 6, 7 says, God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Jesus Himself said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And it didn't fall in the flood. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So the basic approach is that the Word of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament is very clear. There are these two ways. These, the way of blessing and the way of curse. Though we live in a fallen world, and it sometimes is the case that the righteous suffer and the evil prosper for a time, it doesn't change the fact that God is good and His Word is trustworthy. And ultimately, both Jesus' words and Psalm 1 point us to the last judgment. Psalm 1 says, The wicked are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So there's the ultimate end. No matter how much the wicked may prosper in this world for a time, there is coming a day when all their power, prestige, popularity, and prosperity will be blown away like chaff in the wind. And no matter how much the godly may suffer in this world, there is coming a day 
when all of their tears will be wiped away. And they will enter into eternal pleasures at God's right hand forevermore. But there's something else about Psalm 1 that we must not miss, and this is the final point, so stay with me. We're almost finished. This is the most important point. Do you know anyone who perfectly, perfectly fits the description of the blessed man, the righteous man of Psalm 1? Someone who has walked through life in perfect obedience, happy obedience to the law of God, never taking the counsel of the wicked, never going along with sinners, never being influenced by those who scoff at God. Do you know anyone who has perfectly set the example and lived up to this standard of this kind of happy, glad obedience, trusting the Word of God and living in perfect righteousness? Jesus Christ, the one and only. He is the blessed man. And it's only through our faith union with Him that we receive the blessings of His righteousness. It is only through our faith union with Him that we can be absolutely assured that God is good, that God is with us, that God is for us, that God's blessings for time and eternity are upon us because He is at God's right hand. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He The blessed man took our curse upon himself in his death on the cross for us. He, the blessed one, became the cursed one. So that we might receive the blessings of his righteousness. It is not by our righteousness that we will stand on the last day, but only by his righteousness freely given to us. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for us, the unrighteous. He is our righteousness. He is our blessedness. So, blessed are those who walk by faith in His way. Blessed are those who take their stand with Him. Blessed are those who sit humbly at His feet. To God be the glory. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word and the power of Your Spirit. And we pray that Your Word and Spirit will transform our lives from inside out. That we may be more nearly conformed to the likeness of Jesus and walk in a manner more worthy of His name, living lives fully pleasing to You and bearing fruit in every good work. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.